the red flag flying here. Hello and welcome to Socialist Think Tank. Uh, apologies for the delay, technical issues. Um, we're all sorted now though and ready to go. Um, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, so happy to have, have you all here for such an important event um, for our Palestinian Solidarity Special. I'm so thrilled to be joined by three incredible people. Um, I am going to shut up very shortly, I promise, so we can hear plenty from them because they do have a lot to say um, and I'm sure you'll all be really keen to listen to what they've got to say. Um, I'm sure heartbreaking stories um, all around and we need to uh, have this discussion. Um, so what I'm going to do, as always, I'm going to just go around the room quickly and, and let our guests introduce themselves. Um, so if we can start, um, just tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. I'll go around the room and uh, Hala, I'll start with you. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Um, so my name is Hala Al-Safadi. I am uh, from Gaza, but I'm currently living in the UK. Um, got my master's degree here and then I ended up working here. Uh, but back home, um, since 2012, I was working as a TV correspondent with a number of, TV, of channels, news channels, and I was also writing for different news outlets. Um, I unfortunately... Um, was also working as a war correspondent during two wars, which are 2012 and 2014. Um, so basically at the end of the last war, 2014, I just decided that I've seen so much in my life and I need to just do something different because I would go mental if I continued doing what I was doing. So that's why I applied for my master's degrees did a did completely different uh, job. Now I work as an auditor instead of TV correspondent. But since I stopped believing in media, I literally just believe that that's it. Like my work with different news channels really means nothing because they all are not really saying the truth. So I just decided I'll write whatever I want on my terms. And yeah, that's what I did. So that's about me. That's incredible and, and so young to have seen so much conflict. I guess that's going to be a key theme in what we're talking about tonight, you know, the age of people who have to see these things. Um, I'm so pleased you're with us and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for all the work you've done and that you're with us tonight. It's, it's, it's so, so appreciated. Um, and next we'll go to um, Nad. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, Laura. My name is Nader Al-Hussein. I'm British-Palestinian. Uh, from North Palestine, North area of Palestine, villages uh, between Akka and Al Jalil, uh, illegally occupied 1948. Uh, I work in mental health sector and I'm based in UK now. I do sometimes poetry and art also. Well, you can't just slide that in there, just Randy. I also <laughs> do poetry and art. That's incredible. I think we'll uh, see if we can get some of that to share <laughs> later on, maybe. Um, and finally, last but not least, of course, I'm sure people who watch this show will already know who Mark is. Um, but Mark McDonald, if you'd like to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name's uh, Mark McDonald. Uh, I am a barrister and I've been a barrister now practicing for 24 years, predominantly uh, in criminal defence and human rights, uh, done a lot of work on miscarriage of justice uh, and worked a lot on the death penalty in the United States. But for the last 15 years, I've been working on human rights um, uh, in Palestine. Uh, I set up um, 
with Martin Linton, Linton uh, uh, MP, and he was um, then Labour Friends of Palestine and the Middle East, uh, and since then have been working within the Labour Party on Palestine uh, and um, trying to develop policy within the, the Labour Party uh, on Palestine and Israel. Hell of a lot of work there, Mark. That's fantastic. Um, so really, what 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 I've decided to do tonight is instead of um, asking our guests um, a load of questions and possibly taking them down a route they don't want to go down, I've invited them just to come to tell their story. I invited them to say what they want to say, what they feel is important, um, and just things that they want to share. Um, of course, if we do have time at the end, we will take comments and questions from the chat. So please do feel free to chat in there. Um, that is the caveat of there. It is if we have time, we will try our best, but um, we'll, we'll see if we get there. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to do the same order and I'm going to start with Halla. Would you like to um, talk to us and just tell us your story? So basically, I didn't really um, have something planned to tell you guys. And uh, just before I started, I was like, OK, just at least an outline. And and then I found myself actually uh, finding a lot of ideas to share with you. So I put together something um, I hope that would be useful for you, and especially for people who do not know much about Gaza. I'm pretty sure that a lot of people got to know more uh, after the last war, which just ended a few days ago. But basically, just to give you an idea, I've lived in Gaza um, since I was 10 and up until I was 28, basically. Um, and those were literally the worst years of my life, which is basically most of my life. Um, I sometimes fear that uh, when I talk about it, I'm exaggerating and I just don't want to make people feel bad about it. But then I'm always like, well, that's the truth. If it makes you feel bad, I'm sorry, but that's how life is. And it's not all flowers and roses. But um, yeah, so basically, let me just like, quickly explain to you what it means to be a Gazan. Uh, Gaza is like, if you can see the map of Gaza, it's really a tiny place on the map. There's like Gaza, Israel, West Bank. So we're not even connected with the rest of Palestine, like the border or the Palestinian Authority lands. Um, I don't get to see my friends who are in the West Bank. People from the West Bank can't get to see me. Just a quick example, my flatmate here is from the West Bank. And it's ironic how if we actually go back home, I will never be able to see her again because she's from the West Bank and I'm from Gaza. And that's because Israel does not give me permits to travel there. And there's no way on planet Earth she will get a permit to come see me in Gaza. So what I mean is that we've always been under really, really tough restrictions when it comes to freedom of movement, uh, when it comes to even like access to medical aid or access to education, uh, catching up with trainings outside of uh, the blockaded Gaza. So it's a 365 kilometer square area. Two million people live in that very tiny area. I actually just read a few days ago that just to give you an idea, it's like three times as big as Central Park in New York. So I want to stress this because I want you to connect the, the how big the explosions were during the last war in this tiny place. And when we talk about 2 million people living there, there's no way that people have a lot of houses. We go up because there's not, not enough space. So people usually end up living in apartments because it's like really, really, really highly populated area. Um, one of the highest populations in the world even. So explosions around those residential area if they're like too big, they cause so much casualties. And that's why we see that the numbers of Palestinians who are being killed 
is insane compared to anywhere else or like in Israel, for example, because again, people live in apartments, so we always go up because we don't have enough space. Um, Gaza has been under an Israeli blockade since I was in high school. Um, I remember I got a scholarship to actually do my undergrad in the States. I could not do it because I could not get out of Gaza. Uh, that was in 2008. So basically my entire life I have lived, I feel like occupation and the Israeli or Zionist uh, movements have literally ruined my life on a personal level because I've lost so many opportunities because of that. Um, so basically, uh, yeah, years of a blockade now since 2008, and that is because Hamas took over uh, the Gaza Strip, and that's where uh, a coup happened. And then uh, since then, like Israel has been using the excuse of Hamas in Gaza to collectively punish every Palestinian. Now, just let me make it clear because I get asked this question a lot, like Hamas is there, so it makes sense. Israel right to defend itself. Uh, I personally, my personal opinion, I am not connected to any political party. I have always been independent, but I always try to actually also be honest. I'm not a big supporter of Hamas or Fatah or whatever, because I think they all ruined Palestine in a way or another. Uh, and I don't think they're doing good for Palestinians. But at the same time, I understand the importance of Palestinians having those political parties because we need to be heard in a way or another. And just like Israel has the right to defend itself, this right is granted for any human on this planet Earth. So equal rights should be granted for Palestinians and they also have to defend their civilians and they also have to defend their people. And that's my opinion when it comes to the Hamas. Hamas is there, Hamas blah, blah, blah. So even though I don't agree with their ideology, with, with any group that is actually leading anyone with religion, as an atheist particularly, um, but I still understand that when you occupy a land, people have the right to resist. Uh, there are different ways of resistance and it's up to Palestinians to choose how to resist. If someone comes to your house and gets in there, kicks you out, I don't think anyone would be like, peace guys, let's talk peace. And if you want to talk peace, I only feel this will happen when Israel stop stepping or our neck. So I feel the only way for us to go forward is if we are both on equal levels and we both get equal international, uh, let's say, recognition. So the, the, if the international community stands equal between both Palestine and Israel, I think that's only when we can talk peace. But as long as we're being killed, murdered, destroyed, uh, basic human rights have been denied to many Palestinians, I don't think there is a chance to speak peace. So step off my neck, then talk to me about peace. I feel that's what's fair. Um, so yeah, so that's, I just want to put that there because I know a lot of people always ask about the entire Hamas taking over, taking over Gaza uh, and us deserving to be killed because Hamas is ruining us. Just like, I really did not like Trump, for example, Americans elected Trump, but doesn't make every American on planet Earth bad. And it doesn't give me the right to go fight Americans because they elected, in my opinion, uh, two presidents, <laughs> you know, like just people elected those people, whatever. It, we have the freedom of, of choice. We can elect whoever we want to elect, as long as, of course, we follow the international law that only applies to Palestinians. Um, so yeah, basically that's Gaza. So I've also worked with Medical Aid for Palestine, uh, which is um, a medical, uh, basically they support Palestinians uh, with like 
medical supplies, hospitals, and uh, I've done a lot of, I was basically in charge of uh, editing and producing videos from Gaza. And I've seen how hospitals really suffered because of that opportunity I had when I was working with MAP. Um, when you talk about Gaza, you're talking about literally zero infrastructure. Like people die, people are killed, and then they're literally on the floors in hospitals. Uh, it's not normal. Like there are no beds there enough for like the number of, of people who are being um, like who are being targeted and injured. So hospitals are in a very very terrible condition. Um, borders are closed. Even now after the war, like war has ended in Gaza. But like I was talking to my family a couple of days ago, they don't have electricity. They don't have water because Israel has closed Karm Shalom uh, border, which is basically the border that allows goods inside of Gaza and get the fuel from that border from that border. So they're not now letting the basic needs into Gaza, which means, as people say back home, they're thinking that there will definitely be a continuation of the war that has just started because we just ended the war. This, the, the infrastructure was completely destroyed, yet they're not even allowing people the basic rights they, they have, like electricity, for example, like um, power, um, medicine, fuel. So, and that's one important thing. The war has ended, but the terrible situation conditions Gazans are still living in has not ended yet. So uh, I also thought I would, uh, oh, and speaking of which, like just today even, I was uh, checking the news and it was uh, really ironic how the United Nations um, just today said that Israel's Gaza strikes may constitute war crimes and that's according to the UN, and they said they, they will be investigated, and if they actually prove that they were, um, let me even quote, so I don't even say words, um, have it here, so if there was any uh, disproportionate use of power against civilians in Gaza, then there will be, they can file for war crimes, and of course Netanyahu um, said that what, what uh, the UN is doing here only proves the anti-Israel obsession uh, they have. So even to investigate war crimes against civilians, 66 children were killed, 253 people died, houses were destroyed, they don't even want to be investigated. Like, if you're too sure about yourself, why not investigate what happened? So that was just worth, worth mentioning because it was on news today. I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm taking too long, just like wave or tell me to shut up. <laughs> Uh, one last thing I thought about uh, sharing with you, because I always feel we do not get fair uh, representation on uh, media outlets, um, and Palestinians are always numbers. Like We just hear like 200 Palestinians were killed, but when it's on the Israeli side, we know the stories, we know their favorite colors, we know their favorite superhero of their kids. But when it comes to Palestinians, they're just like, this number were killed. So I thought I owe that to my people to actually share some of the stories with you because they're humans. And when you think about the 253 people who were killed, I would like everyone to think that those 253 people had people they loved. Uh, they had families, they had friends, they had colleagues. So it's not that they just killed those people, but they killed also the memories everyone else had of these people. Like I feel if I ever go back home and I really am scared to go back home because I don't want to see Gaza the way my family are, are describing it to me now. I just feel that Israel assassinated my memories. They bombed my university. They bombed around my family's house. Two people I know personally, you know, they were killed, lost their families. Um, I worked in three buildings in Gaza when I was working as a TV correspondent. The three towers 
were leveled to ground. Like I looked at the photos and just felt like, oh my God, this is how I started my career. It's all gone. Uh, the mall, my favorite mall in Gaza was right in front of that uh, tower, completely destroyed. So they're not just killing people, but they're killing our emotions. They're killing our, our memories. A library, a bookstore, like the biggest library in Gaza. With like they said that like the owner said he had 100,000 books in that library, completely destroyed. So this was not about targeting Hamas. This was about weakening Palestinians and getting deep into us. They wanted to kill our spirits, I feel, more than they wanted to destroy our buildings. Um, and it's just ironic how like when, um, when people start talking about Israel's right to do that and to defend uh, the civilians, I just can't help but remember what Biden once said, that if there were no Israel, America would have to have, they would have had to invest, invent an Israel to protect their interest in the region. So it just, it just makes me really mad when I think about that this entity is supported because someone thinks they're protecting their interests while other peoples are being murdered, they're being genocides have been committed against them. Ethnic cleansing, I would like that to be called. It's not just a war, like what happened in Gaza was way beyond what a war is. So if we just look at some of the pictures, I don't think I will have enough time to share all of them. So, but if we start with this uh, lady, she's a dentist, she's actually studying. So she was about to graduate as a dentist and she was engaged. Um, and uh, her wedding was planned, uh, so, as you know, like the war started in Ramadan, the month of fasting for Muslims, and which is followed by Eid. And her wedding was supposed to be planned after Eid, but she was killed in her home. Um, another person, um, if you, uh, there's, yeah, this father, that story just got me so badly. Um, he, he, this is the last photo he took of himself and his kids. He was also, his house was bombed and all his kids except for one died. And the one who survived uh, was in the intensive care unit. And um, he lost all of them in, in, a, in a night. He just like lost everything he had, the, his wife, his kids, and he was only left with one child. Then there's this uh, little baby girl. Uh, if you can see her. She also was killed. Uh, her mom was pregnant and they found her. They found the, their bodies, like literally she was in her mom's arms when she was killed. And I'm just showing you this because I want you to relate to those people and they want you to feel that those people are not numbers. And I don't think there is any justification in the world that would allow anyone to just murder those people and use the entire logic. There was Hamas person there or a rocket was launched from there. I just feel like this is complete nonsense. It's just like if we're sitting all together now in a hall, not virtually talking to each other, and then there's one Hamas person sitting among us, I don't think anyone would be happy if we actually got all killed because there was one Hamas person sitting in a meeting room where we don't even know each other. So just think about it in that kind of sense. Like, does really Israel, is really Israel protecting itself against those kids? Were those kids security threat to Israel? Then there's this three-year-old girl, and uh, actually her mom is a person I knew. Uh, she lived next to my family's house as well. Her, it was at the very beginning of, in the war, and um, the house was bombed, and the entire family was killed. Her, the mom, the dad, and the mom was also pregnant, and her brother. But the reason why I'm showing you this, uh, her photo, because all her family, 
the entire family, they were all buried the very next day, except for this little girl. And they didn't find her body and they only found her body after the war was done, it was over. Um, so she had to be buried alone. Even like her death was like tragic. And even when the fact that this little girl was found after the war was over is very sad. Like I just can't imagine. Um, then there's this boy who's smiling. He did not die, but he is the only survivor in the family. He lost all his family, his mom, his dad, and uh, his two brothers. His name is Aziz, and he's only 10 years old. So he might not, I, I, like, it, I can't help it, but like try to imagine what this guy is thinking. Like People were sharing his photos saying he was lucky, like he's the one lucky person, but I doubt like if he thinks he's lucky. Like, Do you actually want to be that lucky? Um, and then... Sorry, I can't see any picture. Oh. Is it uh, somewhere else I need to find? Oh, now they're, they're coming up on our feed, so what we can see is okay, different okay. to actually what's going out. Okay, oh, I'm okay, sorry. Excellent. Can see it. Yeah. yeah, and then we have, um, yes, this photo of a, is of a doctor. This doctor was, wor was working actually during the war on Gaza. One night he went back home uh, and the building, the, uh, the building he was living in was completely bombed without any prior warning. And that, again, I stress without any warning because Israel uses this a lot. They say, we call people and ask them to evacuate. Yes, they do, but not all the time. It depends probably on their mood that night. So he's a doctor. Uh, lost, like the, in, in Gaza, this family, Abu Al-Auf family, now they're, they've lost so many people. I think they lost around like seven or eight people because the entire building was destroyed over their heads while they were sleeping. And then there's this girl, also Susie, her name is. Um, so basically uh, Susie was, uh, her mom died uh, and same for her siblings. And she, uh, she was found under the rubble and Susie did not talk to anyone since she was found, nothing at all. She was too traumatized to talk to anyone. So um, this journalist was saying that Susie did not respond to any of her questions. And then the, um, the reporter asked her if she, would like to, uh, if she would like her to get her a toy. And that's where she did not even like answer the question, but she just nodded her head for like saying yes, basically. Um, so I, she wasn't the only, like I also watched a video of a boy who was taken out of the rubble alive and he was just traumatized. He just also could not speak. Like those people live death even if they don't die. So, and then another girl um, who was taken from under the rubble, that's her photo with uh, a paramedic who took her out and after she was uh, taken out. And that's, she's also from Abu Al-Auf family, the same family of the doctor who was killed. So what was found there as well. And then we have a guy who was just married a year and a half ago and he just recently had a baby. And he was also murdered and killed. Uh, he left his own house to go to his family's house because they thought it would be safer in that area. But little did he know, and he was actually also killed while he was thinking that he is seeking some safety or refuge. Um, so uh, another man, he, he suffers from disability and he is on a wheelchair and he has his daughter on his, uh, if you can see the photo, and they were both also killed. Um, so 
just thinking that all of these people are not alive today while we talk about them, I think that's enough for us to just take a moment and just think of how many people have been losing their lives for nothing, for basically, and, and no one can be held accountable. Those people can't even go anywhere and say, listen, you killed my mom, you killed my dad, you killed my family, like completely no one to, to go to and get the basic right of at least have a proper closure or like feel that they did something to their family members. It's like they have no one to go to to even complain. So I would just like you to think that all those people, it's not a movie, although it looks like a movie to me, but those are real people with real lives, with real families and they've, they've been killed. And at least um, this is one photo. I, I actually even think like it was updated and more families were wiped off the seven uh, register back home, like 12 families are completely gone. Mom, dad, kids, no one is alive. So this war was not just against Hamas. This war was against anyone that lives in Gaza. Anyone would have been a target. I literally was worried about my family day and night. I was on, on, on a leave at work. I couldn't work. I couldn't focus because I knew deep inside of me that every time I call my family, it might be the last time I call them. And I would just share something to end this up with, um, which is really, that gives me so much strength. I once um, called my mom and she didn't pick up and I really freaked out. I was like, okay, something must have happened because we live in an area that really got bombed a lot. It's called Penilhawa. And I, I really freaked out. And then uh, I know I don't know why I always tend to call my mom, not my dad. But then I was like, okay, call call your dad. I called my dad and he didn't pick up. One minute later, he called me back and he was like, yes, like what's wrong? And I was like, why aren't you guys picking up? Like one million scenario came up to my mind. And he was, I was like, where's my mom? And he was like, oh, she's downstairs. She's watering the garden and the trees. And I was like, seriously, like watering the trees. It's war for God's sake, you know, like just tell her to stay inside. And then he was like, no, 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 she's, she's fine. Like she didn't sleep all night because of the bombing. And in the morning she wakes up to water her trees and she's not even sure that she will actually live long enough to see those trees getting greener and growing. And that was for me like a second where I just realized that, oh my God, we're so strong. Like if those people do not deserve life and hope, I don't think there's anyone else on this planet that does. Like to be under the bombs and you're still thinking of your trees while I saw pictures of Israeli settlers booking their flights and leaving the country right away, that makes you think what those different people think and the, the entire belief system, who really belongs there and why are people there? So that's it for me now before I start crying. So <laughs> Laura, I'm sorry if I took way longer than expected. No, no, Hala, honestly, that was so powerful. And I think it, it was really important to tell those people's stories at the end. I, I, I didn't want to stop you and cut you short. That was really devastating, but beautiful as well. Um, I love what you said about um, how, um, Israel effectively assassinated your memories. I, I think that's a really powerful statement as well because it isn't just the people who get murdered, it is everybody they leave behind and those lives have changed forever. So thank you for sharing that. It was, yeah, really, really powerful. Thank you so much. Um, apologies that the boys have had to wait a little bit. Uh, I'm coming to you now. Um, I'm sure you'll agree that that was worth listening to. Um, Nada, I'd really like to come to you next. Um, I'm, I'm excited to hear um, basically where you're coming from and what your story is. So take it away. 
Yeah, in fact, uh, thank you, Laura. Thank you, the socialist, for organizing that to all of us, uh, all of you guys. Uh, Hala covered a lot of the things I wanted to talk about, uh, but I'll carry on uh, some of that also. So is it a war on Palestinian identity? Uh, long time ago, the black Palestinian, uh, the black, red, and the green, and the white in the middle, uh, it's kind of banned. It's kind of something you shouldn't raise. So the Palestinians find a way to raise watermelon, to cut the watermelon and to raise the watermelon because it's red and the green and it has the black seeds inside and with the white line. Uh, people always find a way out. But what happened recently, uh, it kind of show us more about the intention uh, of what's happening on Palestinians, the intention of violence and aggression uh, for example, court family, uh, they're moving uh, to, to in their house. They have another house, land for grandmother, uh, building on it. And uh, then it's given to, to Israeli settlers, somebody like Jacob, who become famous on Facebook. And I think he spoke the thing directly. If somebody didn't see the video, you can see there is a Palestinian woman and she's asking him, you are taking my house. And uh, he's saying, yeah, but if I don't take it, somebody else will take it. So he's making it very clear. And uh, this kind of action is protected by, by the army, by uh, authority, by the police. And when we're talking army and police, we are talking about Israeli army, Israeli police. There is no uh, like kind of uh, any army or police for Palestinian on the Palestinian side. Uh, even the court is Israeli court who, who runs this, all of it. Uh, and the government itself. Um, we've seen a lot of pictures, and I think Hala covered a lot of them. We've seen a picture in holy holy month of Ramadan for Muslims, and uh, they are the last days in Ramadan. Uh, what they do, they try to pray at night and things like that. So they go to the mosque. Uh, they went to Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is uh, the most holy uh, site in Islam, uh, the third holy site and they pray there and you can see uh, bombs thrown into them in the mosques, somebody filming it. Uh, you, can see, um, you can see a lot of uh, people uh, trying to go to the church. Uh, and uh, I think it was Nativity Church in Jerusalem and the army blocking them from entering the church and attacking uh, them. You can see uh, a lot of pictures, I think Hala covered on this one, like those uh, youngster, uh, she was going to be married or engaged, I think, and her, her uh, boyfriend, um, you know, he didn't know where she was and he's still two days looking for her and he found her under the, the ruins, the destruction. Uh, you can see traumas in, in very, you know, very, very ugly way, you can see, uh, how it's affecting children, how children are kind uh, singing with the sound of the rocket. So parents find nothing to do but try to encourage them not to be afraid, not to be crying, but then they're replacing it with singing and shouting. How much healthy is that? Uh, what they can do? You can see dancing child and all of this, you can see videos if you want. And she was dancing, singing about Palestine, uh, living in peace. And then there is a rocket coming and we don't know what happened next. You can see a picture taking, uh, uh, taken by a child for her father, of a poster of her father because her, her uh, father passed away in the bombing. 
person contacting his family and uh, he's under the under a building i'm still alive they didn't make it uh, and you can see somebody like hala and friends i have also and they are posting even online anybody know anything about my family because i don't i can't contact them uh, now also is this is this a war on who and why uh, it is a war on palestinian identity there is something like maldives uh, like resort on the sea, on the beach, and it was bombed. Come on, like it's a couple of umbrellas and uh, some place for people to eat, and it looked beautiful, and it's bombed. Uh, there is shopping center, a lot of shopping centers bombed and destroyed. Uh, and the evidence uh, of the ethnic cleansing is maybe was very clear in Sheikh Jarrah. Uh, as I said, with Jacob and those people coming to the houses, try to took the houses, supported by the uh, court, and this is ethnic cleansing. This is happening since 1948, and this is how uh, all of Palestine was illegally occupied. This is why we talked about illegally occupied Palestine. This is why we say free Palestine. Every time we saying free Palestine, we saying safety for the Palestinian. We 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 wish them the best living there and even Palestinian all over. Why Palestinian all over? Because I think even uh, friends with Palestine, everything happening related to Palestine, it can be under a lot of harassment, a lot of bias, uh, not covered in the news. Uh, maybe we have now social media, little bit covered, but they try to ban things also. Uh, there is solidarity event happened even in UK, unfortunately, um, we have people attacked in the front of police, uh, like uh, Mervat. Um, she was attacked in an event, peaceful event, and the police was just, you know, looking there. Children at schools today, I just read the news, they are uh, punished for raising any solidarity thing or wearing kufiyye with, uh, like with the Palestinian people. Fears, uh, fears is growing, or they try to make the fears, you know, something that you cannot resist. Now I wear this today because I just heard also a news about, uh, if you search on Google, you will find the, what is the sign or cloth of terrorists or something like that. And Google would suggest this is a sign. Uh, now this is a sign of Palestinian people. I have it, a lot of our friends have it. It shows solidarity uh, and even Laura herself had it today. Uh, so what's happening? Uh, what's happening on the other side? On the other side, people are, are not staying silent. We are seeing people going to, st to streets, uh, taking on a peaceful demonstration in the street, uh, raising the Palestinian uh, flags, saying, uh, we, we can hear you, we stand by you. And the solidarity continue. Uh, a lot of people in main capitals around the world. Uh, we are seeing also changing a little bit in the waves or in the ties. The Human Rights Report, uh, yeah, recently saying the bar has been met to call Israel apartheid. Uh, this is based on uh, Beth uh, Salem report, uh, Israeli uh, human uh, rights uh, group and the Human Rights Watch. Like uh, there is also General Assembly issued 17 resolution last year along, uh, alone against Israel for human rights violation. Uh, in comparison to six uh, issued worldwide. So uh, solidarity does continue. Uh, United Nations, uh, 
you know, the things they clear for United Nations, for all the words, even for the grassroots uh, movement around the world. Um, even we have uh, from inside, we have like somebody, uh, Israeli army captain flight or something like that. He's talking about, uh, we are apartheid uh, state and about the war crime. Um, and we're seeing around the world also Parliament speaking about uh, speaking out about it, uh, maybe talking about a little bit, uh, discussing uh, boycott sanction. Uh, so all of this is is evidence of a new era. Uh, it didn't come for free. Uh, it came with the Palestinian, unfortunately, uh, you know, blood and sacrifice. Um, what happened started maybe the last period, maybe more clear in Jerusalem and Sheikh Jarrah and the mosques and churches around and there was because we are all one people whether in in palestine uh, west bank uh, jerusalem uh, gaza uh, north palestine people uh, within the green light as they call it which is mainly palestinian with israeli nationality palestinian around in camps in lebanon jordan syria all over the world we are one people, we are Palestinian, and uh, also we have a lot of Palestinian people who might not have paper, uh, I would call them friend of Palestine, and I would call them Palestinian also. So um, you cannot separate us if somebody is saying, okay, I don't want you to kill more people, I don't want to ban people from bring, I don't want you to, uh, you know, uh, take houses illegally, uh, that doesn't mean uh, that, um, that it's not a democracy, it's not a defense, it's not only democracy in the Middle East. So I think uh, with, uh, with the Israeli narrative, uh, they need to, to work on to that in the future, uh, try to, as they done with the pink wash, they might try to do these kind of things again to try to, to you know, fix the image again, because it's becoming very clear. What we can do, uh, we can keep doing on, on uh, you know, boycott. We can keep boycotting uh, BDS, and we can increase even the level. We can show solidarity. Um, we can be creative by small things. If you are an artist, yeah, throw a song. Uh, if you are a poet, do a poetry. If you are, you know, you can draw. Um, maybe you can just raise a Palestinian flag, speak to your friend about Palestine, what's happening there, because uh, it's a war of existence. So it's good to tell, you know, even social uh, circle and every everybody you might know. Um, take care of your own mental health because the trauma is very heavy uh, and it can transmit. But also the trauma doesn't go only by avoiding it. Uh, the stress and the trauma and the mental illness can develop and uh, uh, increase if you do nothing about it. So I think people also should take care of their own mental health by doing something uh, for Palestine, by showing solidarity, by saying, at least I can't do anything maybe, but I will say, no, I don't accept that. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. That was absolutely fantastic. And and you know what, just that little bit at the end was exactly what I needed to hear. It's really, really difficult to to watch what is effectively a genocide happening and feel like you just can't do anything at all. So even just to know that there's certain brands and things that you can boycott, that we can lobby the government not to sell arms to Israel, that we can just yes. speak to Palestinian people and try and understand. And even doing events like uh, you've done today. Thank you. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's all about spreading that solidarity, isn't it? And just speaking about it and getting it more well known and telling the truth about it as well. Because, you know, you're absolutely right in what you're saying, Nada. The truth does not get told. And I know Halla touched on that as well. It just doesn't get told here at all so thank you so much for that um and thank you so much to mark who's waited so patiently for us i'm really excited to have you on mark i have seen you on a few other shows and thought that guy's coming on our show sometimes so thank you so much for being here um and i'll just leave it up to you as our last speaker to tell us i don't know are you going to tell us how to fix everything <laughs> should we fix the world together mark <laughs> well first of all um i'm not palestinian and you've, you've heard from two very articulate and passionate Palestinians. But the one thing we must remember in the international community is that Palestine is about Palestinians. And, and we should not dictate to them on how we think that their country should be and, and, how, it, and, and how, what, how it should be resolved. Um, uh, it's about self-identity of the Palestinian people. Um, but my involvement has been um, in two areas, one in relation to human rights and making sure that the human rights violations that have been going on now for uh, 70 years plus uh, within the land of Palestine is exposed, is uh, told, the stories are told, uh, so uh, doing events like this, public speaking, writing, um, social media is how uh, me as simply an activist has been able to do that. Uh, I worked in Palestine as a lawyer for a, a very short period of time in Ramallah, um, uh, teaching the local lawyers in, in um, the West Bank about international human rights and really how to document international human rights abuses. Because we knew, and that was over 10 years ago, that one day the International Criminal Court will be investigating war crimes. And we wanted to tell people, lawyers on the grounds, of how to document, take statements, take pictures, um, and prepare uh, submissions to go before the International Criminal Court for what they will be legal proceedings taken against those that have committed war crimes within Palestine. When I say those, I'm talking about Israel and the Israeli government. Uh, and working with Israeli human rights organizations like Betzalem, uh, incredible uh, organizations. And we must remember that within Israel itself, there are human rights organizations and there are people that um, uh, if you look at people like, for example, Breaking the Silence, which are those that refuse to, to uh, join the Israeli army, Israeli citizens that will not join the Israeli armies and tell the story about the abuses that are going on there and have gone to prison for it. Um, that there are a, a small percentage of people that have been fighting against this for their entire lives as well. Uh, and trying to, to, to tell the stories of the hundreds of thousands of Palestinians that have suffered over the many years. We must remember that, um, that of those children that died in the most recent, I don't call it offensive, I don't call it a battle, I don't call it a war because it's not equal sides, the most recent attack upon the people of Palestine 
those children join the 3,000 children that have died in the last 20 years at the hands of the Israeli government. And then, so, 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 so that's part of what I do is exposing what is going on. The other half is involved in the politics. I, I founded, uh, uh, as I said earlier, Labour Friends of Palestine. And this is an organization uh, which was founded in 2008. And it was designed, the primary objective was to influence Labour Party policy on Palestine. In 2008, of course, Labour Party were in government. Uh, and, and the idea was to give a voice to the Palestinian people within the labor movement and to affect um, uh, party policy. At that time, Tony Blair was the prime minister. Since then, we've had Gordon Brown. And then, of course, we've been in opposition under Ed Miliband, Jeremy Corbyn, and now Keir Starmer. Uh, and it, it, what we have done over those years is that we've made sure that within the manifesto and every general election, Palestine has not just featured as a sentence, but has affected and had really profound changes to our foreign policy, of which the most uh, important has been that when Labour get into government, we will unilaterally recognise the state of Palestine. Uh, and, and, and that is probably as a country that has really had, Netanyahu doesn't care what Great Britain thinks, doesn't care what the European Union thinks, only cares what America thinks. The only country that has power over Israel is the United States. But what re-recognizing the state of Palestine does is that it gives a little bit of morale to those in Palestine that are suffering and have been suffering, that we hear you, that we see you, and that you have thousands of people, millions of people across the world that are fighting shoulder to shoulder next to you and will not give up until Palestine is free. And so what we do is we put on, reg and somebody said earlier, before we went live, that it's difficult to criticize Israel. It isn't difficult to criticize Israel. I, within the labor movement, I do it each and every day. Um, and I've been a Labour Party member for over 30 years. I stood for Parliament in 2019. I stood for Parliament in 2005. But I joined Labour members of Parliament that stand up and hold pictures of the children that have died in Palestine and, and ask Boris Johnson, why are we selling arms to this country? Labour MPs that stand up, Conservative MPs that stand up, not many Conservative MPs, but there are, and Lib Dem MPs and SNP MPs that stand up and say, this is not good enough, we've got to do more. Uh, and so it, 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 we criticise, I criticise Israel constantly. And if you go to Labour Party conference, and indeed two years ago, I had pictures of the children around the room that was a huge auditorium of those that had died at the hands of Israeli aggression. Um, pictures uh, uh, framed uh, uh, across the room. Um, then the chair of Labour Friends of Palestine was Lisa Nandy. Uh, she's now Shadow Foreign Secretary, and she is passionate about the people of Palestine and has spoken about the people of Palestine. 
So going forward, what what um, what is the answer? And I talk as someone who, as I said right at the beginning, that I'm not a Palestinian, but peace can happen between Israel and Palestine. It can happen. Those that say it will never be achieved uh, are wrong. It takes the right leaders. The right leader is not Netanyahu. He will never be a man of peace because he 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 needs the constituency base that is so that brings him to power, and that is the right within Israel. That is the settlers, of which there are 700,000 of them that live in the West Bank, in a land that does not belong to them. But they ideologically believe that Palestine should not exist. And if they're allowed to vote, and if Netanyahu depends upon that vote, then he will appeal to that constituency base. And that's the problem at the heart of the political system within Israel, that when the settlers are allowed to influence policy and they don't, uh, they ideologically do not believe that Palestine should exist, then the policy of Palestine, of Israel, will be one that will never ever be one of peace. And what happened two weeks ago is that Netanyahu was dead in the water. He was dead in the water as a politician. Other politicians did not want to go into coalition with him. And what we had was a coalition, including Palestinian MPs, formed a coalition. Remember that 20% of Israel is Palestinian, and they formed a coalition and an opposition. Netanyahu knew this, and that is why we saw the destruction and the death, and the death of so many innocent people once again within Palestine. We must remember this happened in 2014. It happened in 2008 when thousands were slaughtered. And at the same time that that was happening, it was elections were going on within Israel. And the leaders, those that wanted to, to get into power, wanted to show how tough they were by taking it out of the innocence of Palestine. So there can be peace, but it needs the right leaders within Israel, the right leaders within Palestine, uh, and when we get those right leaders to sit down at the table, and we need America that be able to push that agenda, and they can so easily do it, um, because Israel is dependent upon America. We know that because we've seen it recently with Biden's promises towards Israel. That we need the right progressive leaders. And when we have a combination of that, then you will have a two-state solution. And to me, that there can only be one answer because one state solution will never work because Palestinians will never be treated equal and they're not treated equal within Israel now. So you need two states, Palestine and Israel, living side by side with each other and that in peace where both countries are in, are, are, have security and that can only happen with political will, with the right leaders. And so... Right now, under Netanyahu, it won't happen. But let us hope that and with our generation, within our lifetime, we can have peace. But in the meantime, people like me and the Labour Party and the socialist group within the Labour Party, but also, also those that are on the right of the Labour Party are passionate supporters of Palestine and passionate advocates of Palestine. 
still supports Palestine and will do within Parliament and will drive forward uh, um, a manifesto commitments that ensure that when we get into government, that we have very progressive and positive policies towards Palestine. And that will send a signal, as I said earlier, to the people of Palestine, that they're not alone, that we stand shoulder to shoulder with them, and we always will, until they are free. Thanks, Mark. That was incredible. I, I was actually at that Labour Party conference, the one where we had all the Palestinian flags. I've still got my wristband. Yeah. Oh, there were a lot of tears that day. It was, no, it was incredible fantastic to see. to see the solidarity. Yeah. Um, and you know, when we set this up um, in 2008, we had four people turn up at our first meeting at Labour Party conference. And then you saw at the end those Palestinian flags. And it was just incredible to watch. Yeah, it was. It was a really emotional day. Really, really emotional. I think, um, and just with what you were saying there at the end, that, you know, the left of the party do this and the right of the party do this, I think the issue of pa Palestinian solidarity and solidarity with the Palestinians cuts yeah. through all of that factionalist exactly. nonsense. And it needs to. It's far too important for people to bicker with each other. And, and like you say, some Tories even, yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise, mean, support the Palestinians. Adam Duncan so. and Crispin Blunt and, um, you know, th there are Peter Bottomley, there are some... You know, um, uh, I mean, um, his name, Chris Patton, who was the governor of Hong Kong, who was a conservative MP, member of the House of Lords. He was head of member of, of, of uh, medical aid for Palestinians. Mm. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it goes to show, doesn't it? I think uh, as well what you say there, there's, there's definitely no quick fix here. This has been going on for, for decades now. And, and it, it's a shame because I'm sure everybody... It's, I've, Everyone just wants this done. This is just horrendous. Soon there are, if we wait another four years till Biden's out, because I think he's planted his flag, you know, he started selling arms again to Israel. So there you are, that's that one done. That's another four years you're saying about leaders, but this, this is going to take time. It's going to take um, building movements across countries. Um, and I guess that's sort of why we do things like this as well. We want to encourage people to start, even if you start small in your communities and build from there, we, we've got to start building the solidarity for Palestine, yeah. but we but only do that by building changing. awareness. But I think so, things are changing. Mm. When you've got Jewish organizations within America, very large, very vocal, criticizing the state of Israel, um, you know, you, 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 you've got people coming out in every country across the world, well, not every country, but many countries across the world in support of Palestine. You know, things are changing yeah. and politicians will start listening more and more. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, we are we're nearly up to an hour now, so I don't think we're going to have time for a lot of questions, but I did, I did sort of want to just try and do a wrap up with you all. I'd, I would really love to hear from you all one more time. Just um, do you have any final comments, any final thoughts that you want to share? Any directions for our for our listeners who are watching or listening later on podcast? Um, you know, we're all about mobilizing people. Um, just what are your final thoughts for us all really? Um, and we'll start from scratch again, Halle. Um, thank you so much, Laura. Um, I would just like everyone who's listening to us to understand that this war or this aggression was different than the previous ones because I think people who own the narrative took the lead 
We saw many Palestinians writing about it on their social media, on Facebook, hashtags were just going crazy, trending. And I think this is where, like, as Laura said, like everything does matter. Every person does matter. And I would just like call on all, everyone who is who does uh, support Palestine and understand how important their support is to start even with the little things, just like share a video, write a post. Uh, please don't be scared. I understand how, how sensitive it is, especially with everyone being labeled anti-Semitic whenever you criticize Israel, but there's definitely a difference between being labeled anti-Semitic and uh, being against the Israeli genocide against Palestinians. Um, so, please do that at least as a start. And yeah, since even the UK has been supporting Israel for too long, I think all the British people do owe Palestinians a lot since 1947, 1948. So maybe to start with at least saying and like putting putting those things into words, pushing for it. Um, I've loved when I saw how people were demonstrating in front of the BBC, for example. like. We need to understand that whatever we see on the news is not the real truth. And if you really want the truth, please seek the people who own the narrative uh, and listen to them. Many Palestinians are very well educated. They speak two and three languages. So it's not very tough to read things in English and Arabic and French even. Um, so please educate yourself and educate your community. And yeah, stand with your beliefs. Thank you. Thank you so much. And interestingly enough, that answers. A, there's been a lot of questions in tonight about um, media bias and media narrative. And, you know, we're on we're a little show. We hope to grow. But but we've got about as much say as anybody else who's trying to push this narrative in the mainstream media at the minute. You don't hear these conversations. So so I think you're absolutely right there. That was a perfect answer to those questions so thank you um nada can i can I have any final thoughts from you yeah just to to talk a little bit about what uh, uh, mr mcdonald uh, talked about uh, when he was talking about the israeli government netanyahu is, uh, is a bad figure or we need to change him it's not about changing uh who's in the government there it's the whole system if you if you compare this to to mental illness, if somebody have a deep mental illness, you need to work also on the mental illness. You just don't work just only on the symptoms. Yeah, you might work on the symptoms. You you might work uh, how to somebody had a headache maybe because of something. Okay, you might work about that, but what caused it too? So you need to work into more deep. Does the UK have uh, uh, an, any role? Any yes, the UK have very powerful role, come on. Uh, UK is not a small country uh, around, you know. A lot of uh, industry here, a lot of, uh, you know, things we, we asked to, to do by, by cut. Uh, a lot of things we can do here, the government can do more. And uh, yes, we, we need to ask uh, to, to, to have this, uh, we can do more. Uh, just final word. Uh, this round, these things happen, this kind of attack happen very, uh, as, as we said, uh, powerful, as we all maybe spoke, uh, powerful weapons, uh, you know, supported by big countries. And then you have uh, even homemade try to do some kind of uh, resisting. Um, but it's a changing the things around. Uh, Palestinians are victorious here. Uh, Friends of Palestine are victorious here. Uh, grassroots organization, people like you 
who support Palestine, it's all uh, it's all changing now. It's not the same, and it's too. There is two way. You know, you cannot you cannot stay between here and here. It's clear. It's legal. It's in international law. War crimes labeled. Everything clear and there. So we need to stand firm and um, yeah. We are the many, we have the right, and we are the victorious one. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I, I couldn't agree more with you there. Absolutely spot on. I couldn't, I can't add to that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and um, yes, and finally, Mark, can I have your closing comments, please? Yeah, I think a lot of people, because a lot of people hear what is going on in Palestine within the United Kingdom and think, well, what can I do? You know, I'm, I'm just an individual. Uh, and it is difficult because you can get so frustrated because it's been going on for so long. Um, there's two areas that I think are, are ready for, um, for exploitation, for, for want of a better word, but we could use. One is in relation to training. So getting schools to train with schools within Palestine and get children here talking to children in Palestine. Um, it's something that I'd love to be able to get off the ground, but never really had the time to do it. But if we can start working with school children here and school children in the West Bank and within Gaza and get them talking to each other, that would be good. The other thing would be to talk to get women's groups here, joining with women's groups within Palestine as well, uh, and having sort of joint women's initiatives. Um, there's been a lot of work done with, um, there's an SNP, uh, MP whose name escapes me, but she's a consultant gynecologist that's now an MP and she worked in Gaza and she's done some incredible stuff. But one of the things that, um, that, that she found was that there was not a lot of assistance for women within Gaza and maybe um, uh, joining up with women's groups here and women's groups in the West Bank may be great. So. Those areas could be areas that we could do more on that we're not doing enough or indeed probably anything on at the moment. Lovely, some real food for thought there and something I'm sure we'll, we'll push ourselves and try and try and um, get people interested in doing those things. That's really good ideas. Um, it just uh, finally just remains for me to just from the bottom of my heart thank you all so much for coming it's been a real education for me and I'm sure for many of the people who've been watching um, I will say now that if you have any campaigns or anything that you're doing Nada if you want to share your poetry and your artistry then by all means, send them to us. We'll share anything you want us to share, anything you want us to do to help spread your message and spread solidarity for the Palestinian people. We are 100% on board and proud to be. Um, thank you so much for coming tonight. It's been absolutely fantastic. Stick around for a couple of minutes. When I say bye, we're going to say bye to our audience <laughs> first. Um, and I just want to say, if you've enjoyed tonight's show, please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. You can become a member of Socialist Think Tank. It is free. We wouldn't expect you to pay. However, if you can afford a couple of quid here or there to help us keep creating our content, to keep telling stories like this, um, that would be much appreciated. And you can find that on our website. So thank you very much for tonight, everybody, again. And we hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll see you all again soon. Thank you. The red flag flying here